and I didn't realize like what a mental game this is. I was yeah. like, this is like mental warfare. As you said, understanding how this cookie right here, not eating it will like pay its results in three weeks by skipping, not having a drink, how that will affect, like all of it's just like by, you know, we're missing one day in the gym. It's not that big of a deal. I still look pretty, no, 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 no. Like really holding yourself to a, a, a disciplined structure. I think like there's a lot of happiness throughout that journey, but a lot of discipline and a lot of pain. And through that comes a lot of growth in your character. Hello Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself, my name is Ho, oh, H to the O-V, I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z, I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the R-O-C. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess it's like any medical, medical thing, you know what I mean? There's diff different degrees, different levels. So it's like some can, some that I know that live with it, it's like, dude, it's like, you know, a daily struggle. And yeah. others that like have it, you know, like not as, not as severe or like, it's, mm -hmm. it's something I got to keep an eye on, be careful with my diet, as you said, and stuff like that. But yeah, well, yeah. that's just another, another challenge. Another challenge. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, if there's if there's anything uh, that I've learned up until now is that we all have our challenges, we all have our difficulties, we have our adversities, and who am I to say that my challenge is more challenging than someone else's challenges? You know, it's just what we have. Yeah, I, I, I and I think that's like the um, the ma mature perspective of life because, like mm -hmm. the the selfish perspective is like poor me like i have it so bad nobody understands and it's it's not to hurt anyone's feelings but it's like it's that's naive you know what i mean to be like yes. no one else is going through anything and of course some people have gone through worse things and some people have gone through uh you know not as bad things i guess if you will but what i've learned is life is just so much perspective and so yeah. when you, we when we try to when we try to like point at other people's problems, I guess, well, that's not that bad. That's not a big deal. Well, to them in their life, it may be the biggest deal ever. Like, you know, they may have not gone through as much as you have. So that's, that's a whole yeah thing with like leadership and, you know, being a friend and stuff like that is not trying to like tell a person that, you know, you shouldn't be sad or that's not that bad or, or whatever. You know I mean? Obviously there's boundaries and stuff like that, but right. the reality is, is, when I look at someone else and it's just like, man, like I just moved out of my parents' house because, or, you know, let's say my parents moved out of state and now I'm living here by myself and I'm trying to pay all my bills and I got a flat tire this morning and life's super tough. Like me personally, I'm like, big deal, dude. <laughs> like that's not, that's not a big deal. But right. at 19, 21 years old, that may be the biggest challenge you faced at that point in your life. Mm -hmm. And so it's mm -hmm. like, you got to learn to, uh, to deal with it, get through it. And then, you know, the, the the bigger picture is and you realize once you get through that you're like oh finally i'm through that okay cool i can get to like life now and you start to realize as you've understood when what you're just talking about is it's never smooth sailing dude like you get no. through one thing and then something harder just comes in harder and but the beauty in that is the journey and that's how you grow you know yeah 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 i mean that's i always love that and that's why i wanted to always bring you on to this because ever since i met you this is the conversations that we've always had um, yeah. but I feel like we've obviously approached this mindset differently, of course. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a Michigan gangster as you call yourself or, uh, hey. yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, 
But yeah, JD, I, I really do wanted to ask you about that uh, because, you know, from an outside looking in, before I got to really know you, you definitely seem like a very assertive person. Your personality is very infectious. And I see the the distinct leadership qualities in you of selflessness, selflessness, compassion, uh, empathy, as well as still directing towards like a bigger vision and a higher self. And so I've always kind of wanted to ask you and why I wanted to bring you on is where for you do you think that came from? Like where did that Michigan gangster, the confidence, but yet still empathetic and still being emotionally aware. So where do you think that kind of began for you? Um, that's a good question. So I've always been very, very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it really derived and, and started from sports and then it got a little bit bigger than that. Um, I, I think it started a little bit from an unhealthy standpoint where just like ego always wanted to be first competitive. And then also just like, although people see me as very happy and, um, yeah, charismatic and stuff like that. Like I've really had to struggle with anger, mm. uh, my, my entire life, but specifically when I was younger and, it, you know, my parents will tell you too, like, it's just, I would when when things wouldn't go my way or I'd get upset, I'd, I'd just have these tantrums or I'd uh, hold these grudges. And so I guess to kind of answer your question is, is like it, it stemmed from like sports and the competitive behavior, a little bit of ego, like, you know, a lot of young boys, if, if you will. But also like I just had this like aggressive chip on my shoulder, like something to <laughs> prove. Um, I was told for a long time to get rid of the anger, get rid of the chip on your shoulder, do it for yourself, peaceful this, peaceful that. And I guess being super hard-headed, life just knocked me down enough times Mm. where I ate enough like humble pie where I was like, okay, how can I work like smarter, not harder? And how can I kind of use and channel some of this anger and in pain and in frustration, but point it in like the right direction and not be like self-destructive. And so that, I don't know if it was one thing specifically, it was multiple things that I just kind of, uh, endured and experienced in life some hardships that just life brings and some that are definitely self-inflicted but it, it sat me still um enough in my, my mid-20s to kind of just be like okay what are you angry about what mm. are you trying to to prove um why why do you keep like self-destructing and, and really just kind of working through some therapy honestly and, and actually going to therapy and uh working it out through physical fitness and things like that and then it just, um, I felt like I found a, a healthy relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to treat others better. Because I was always mm-hmm. able to like treat others pretty good on like the surface level, but like really want to like help people. When people would take things out on me or get frustrated, like understand, I don't know what they're going through. I guess just be able to deploy more empathy and compassion um, than, I, than I used to be more like kind of, and so that's allowed me to kind of have this balance of this this beast and monster inside and this competitive nature and, and constant like appetite for growth, but also being able to listen a little bit better, um, have a little bit more compassion, understanding that um, I don't always need to just push people aside to get what I want and that actually by helping more people get what they want in return, you get what you want. And so just a lot of, you know, life lessons and uh, awareness, experiences, therapy, that's kind of brought me to 
to where I'm at now. I appreciate all the kind words and, and stuff like that. I, I think you have something maybe a little different to say about me if you met me, you know, in college or in, in high school and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's really interesting on um, the versions of yourself that you kind of go through um, to kind of get to like where you are at now, where I'm at now. And I think that's, I think you hit it on the head. Like if, if someone were to have like met me when I was going through my divorce or going through whatever, like that's a version of myself, a holy, what the hell, you know, to go to yeah. now it's like, man, you know, but, but if you have enough empathy and compassion and you understand just like, you know, the big picture of things, these are just human moments that we all have a choice to learn from. You know, I, I have a couple of really close friends that are going through some shit and they're, it's making them really not be themselves. And it's, it's, it's very challenging for me to um, work with them and talk to them, like have them see the bigger picture. Cause they're just so set onto this moment. But I fully know that like sooner or later, it's going to finally hit like, Hey, I don't have to show up like this, even though this is how I'm feeling, even though I'm feeling betrayed, even though I'm feeling, you know, alone, you know, like, you don't yeah, have to make those a negative thing, you know? Go ahead. No, totally. It, that's, um, it, that's where like a lot of the, that victim mindset comes from. Like, so when we, when we tend to feel self-doubt, um, self-doubt comes with a, a, a bundle of emotions, right? But with self-doubt usually is your, um, your insecure, your, your anxious mm. and, and you feel, um, yeah, you know, just like doubtful and stuff like that. And so when we tend to feel lonely, insecure, uh, in, in these, and feel these emotions, what we do is we, we like isolate. But the reason we isolate a lot of times is actually for a selfish, selfish manner. It's because, well, nobody understands. Mm. Nobody can relate. Nobody feels the way I, I feel. No one's gone through this. They, they don't get it. And that's, that's kind of naive to think like, excuse me, that, uh, like no one's gone through what you've gone through and surely maybe they haven't gone through what you've gone through, but they've gone through an event in their life that has caused them to, to be able to relate on the emotional level. Mm. And that's a lot of sales too, is like, it's like, well, how do I relate with someone who's 70 years old and I'm much younger? How do I relate with these, you know, these young kids and stuff like that? Or how do I relate to someone losing someone? How do I relate to someone going through a divorce? I haven't been through a divorce, but I can ask you, well, how did the divorce make you feel? Alan. Well, honestly, dude, at first I felt like this and I felt like that. And then I was going through this, like, Oh, I've, I've totally felt that way. It was a different right. experience, but I've definitely felt that way. Here's how I kind of worked through it. And I, I imagine you're trying to do the same thing. Now, now we connect. And so yeah. I, I think it's very easy to fall into this victim mindset and of frustration and, and anger and do one of, one of two things. We, and both are self-destructive. We isolate because no one understands and, and we get frustrated and we just self, start to self-destruct and self-sabotage with the self-doubt, the insecurities, the depression, or that anger is projected on other people and, and you get very aggressive and mean towards, towards others because of how you're feeling. And both mm. are just, I mean, honestly, they're both just immature. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's just, you just got to deal with it. You're running from the thing that you just got to deal with. Right. Right. I heard something recently that was very interesting, which is like men are hardwired to go into a fight or flight reaction. Every single time we face that kind of insecure emotion or that little bit of anxiety that it's just fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight. And just kind of like what you said, sometimes we just isolate 
we don't tell anybody or we fight, well, we fight other people, we project it onto everybody else. Um, for me, I've been working on, because I mean, I'm not any different. I still face anxiety. I still face um, instances that challenge my ego and that make me think a different way and I react. Um, but I've been working on transmuting that energy, that fight energy towards actually just creating a better version of myself, but also figure out what is it about this instance that's making me feel like I got to fight or flight. I got to, you know, and I think it's by identifying that that's how you keep reacting in certain instances or certain triggers that you just realize, Hey, it's just emotion. It's just a reaction. You do not have to act in one way or another. Hell, you could just sit in it and it's okay. But I see a lot of people get to that instance and immediately just default to something like they can't just sit into that feeling. And, and I get it. It's a very uncomfortable feeling, but I think the more that you make yourself comfortable with being uncomfortable is that that's when you could get that energy. And like I said, transmute it into a better way, a better, um, better way to approach it, make it to a, a better way of, of receiving it as well. And then you can use that to like, like we're talking about show up differently. And so I see that in you, man, I see that with, um, with how like you show up in your business, how you show up for other people as well. And so I'm not gonna lie to you. It's, it's kind of surprising that you, uh, well, it's kind of surprising and, and not surprising that you said you had a lot of anger, you had a lot of whatever, because I feel like it's once you have that uncertainty in your life and you experience it enough, you know how to channel that into a way of actually making it productive and, and of service to other people. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I guess for you, like when when did you start like actually exhibiting that personifying the hey, this is not hype to show up. You can show up a lot a bit differently because a lot of the things that you post is a lot of, you know, law of attraction, delayed gratification, um, all these intrinsic things. So when did that start becoming a part of just who you are naturally? Um, man, so yeah, I'm going to get a little vulnerable here. So right. without getting in, in too much detail, I, uh, I, I, got in some I got in some trouble in my like early 20s 23 24 range mm -hmm. um thankfully nothing that like put me like felonies or permanent stuff on my on my record but i did get in a little bit of trouble and um this allowed me to to sit still and this was a pivot the reason i'm bringing this up is because this was a pivotal point in my life so there was two two pieces i i got in a lot of like fist fights and stuff when i was in college too mm -hmm. um and a lot of this started when I stopped playing sports because sports in like the gym was my area to like be aggressive. That's why I played like aggressive sports. You know, I like football, hockey, like I'm like, bring the contact, bro. Yeah. You know, and so <laughs> it was like, that was an area for me to channel that when that was kind of, when that door was closed and it was time to pursue, you know, college and life, if you will, I was just aggressive. I still am naturally aggressive, like in a, not in a, in a demeaning way, but I'm just, I'm intense. I'm aggressive, as you know. And so uh, I would just, I'd fist fight, I'd lash out, I, I'd, you know, verbally abuse and stuff like that. And so I got in a fist fight when I was 22, I think I was like 22, 23. Um, and I, I, bro I broke my right hand. Mm. Um, I didn't have medical insurance at the time. And it was interesting because everyone's like, what's the other guy look like? And the fact of the matter is the dude never <laughs> even, even touched me, like legit story. 
Never even touched oh, me. Wow. I punched him twice. Fight was done. But I'm like, well, who won? Because this kid, you know, I got a split lip, maybe some stitches. And it's like, I have a $3,800 medical bill, a cast on my hand. And you know what I mean? I'm, I'm in trouble. So that was something mm. that really kind of had me start reevaluating. I need to control the anger a little bit, not lash out. But then this probationary period was um, a time where it forced me to sit still. I had a lot coming at me. I had the victim mindset. You know what I mean? Why me? This is bull crap. I know other people that have done worse. I can't believe like I was just the one to get caught. They're picking on me. It's because I'm brown. It's because of this. It's because of that. And then what happened was, is I was like, oh, I, will ha- I have to go through this, this, what is it? I think 12 month, if you go perfectly clean through 12 month probationary period, it took me 17 months. I have mm-hmm. to go through this period. And so I can go through fighting and screaming. And chances are I'm going to come out not much different. And I might even make, you know, this mistake or another mistake that's bigger next if I, if I don't learn from this. Mm. Or I can listen to what my probation um, officer is saying. I can get into some therapy like they recommended. I can go to some of these classes and try and learn as much as I can from this experience. So I think like anything else with acceptance, the first piece is like you, you just have to surrender. And I, I truly did. And I, I, I remember telling my parents, like, I'm going to, I'm going to try this program. I'm going to do every, I'm going to do all of the steps. I'm going to go to therapy. You know, they recommended therapy. Um, I think I had to go for uh, four months to therapy mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. every other week. I ended up going to see her for two years, paying oh, out wow. of pocket when I was done seeing her, you know, because of the growth that I w- was getting in out of it and stuff like that. And I went to all of the classes and then I, I went back to speak at some of the classes. So I really dove in. And I think that really, that's what really changed my perspective on, on life. And what really changed for me was just the, the accountability piece and acceptance. Mm. So understanding that life's not happening to you, it's happening for you. And so with acceptance comes like, okay, I have to like, first thing is, is this in my control? Yeah. Okay. Well then fix it. Is this in my control? No. Okay, well, then, then accept it and just move on, dude, because it's, there's nothing you can do. So let's focus on the controllables. That's acceptance. Um, surrendering, which is tough for men because of the vulnerability piece and, and all of that, you know. Right. Um, we're tough. And then the other piece was just, yeah, accountability. Taking accountability for my actions. That's, that's tough, too. Like understanding Ooh. that it's your fault. You know, when, you're, when you go to – jump on a podcast you're like hey man i'm gonna be like 10 minutes late my fault traffic was really bad no no don't blame it on traffic you didn't leave early enough you know what i mean if you would have left if it takes 15 minutes to get there and you would have left with 30 minutes maybe even 40 if any accident would have occurred you still likely would have would have been on time you know um if you're like hey i didn't get the assignment done man like things were crazy last night i was up late or whatever dealing with blah 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 well, then you shouldn't have waited till the last day to do that assignment. Or you, you stay up all night and you get it done because you said you would. And so it's just, it's the, that accountability piece really, um, it's, it, it can be overwhelming and frustrating, but I, it feels like for me, it feels like I just, like I have more control. The more accountability I have, the more control I have. Cause I'm like, no, that's your fault. You can mm-hmm. fix this. So it kind of gives me the power in the sense where it's like, you can change that. You can fix this. Stop blaming other pieces and other things. Right, right. That accountability is so huge. And and I think I, I you could not have said it any better. That accountability, as soon as you 
accept responsibility for everything that's happening around you. Like you feel like you have more control over your life. You feel like you have more power and a, a better perspective on how to change your perspective if you really want to. I, I remember for me, and I feel like this is like a lot of men in general. Um, like I remember I, one of my most recent ex-girlfriends and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, well, this girlfriend and then this, you know, my ex-wife, this and this girlfriend, whatever, this, that, and the other. And then I really sat there and I'm like, wait, what's the commonality of all of my exes? Oh, it's me. So obviously I'm choosing to be in these relationships. So I can say all I want about how bad or how wrong I, I you know, how, how much wrong was done to me or all this other shit. But I am still the commonality of every single problem that I have. So like, is yeah. it really their fault? Is it really their fault? Or is it really my fault? And then here's another thing is like, everybody approaches life differently. Like I'm, I'm still, you know, maybe I'm just on the, the glass half, the glass is half full, not half empty kind of thing. I, I genuinely believe people have the best intention in all the world. And sometimes that action might come as a, or how do I say this? Sometimes the things that we do might affect others and, and they might interpret it differently, even though what we're doing is actually just best for ourselves. But it sometimes does take away from someone else. And that someone else could be like, well, you're doing this to me. And it's like, no, I'm actually doing this for myself. Maybe I'm not aware. Maybe I'm not aware of how that's affecting you. But in all reality, it's, you know, just kind of like what you said, the victim mindset, oh, this is happening to me. This is happening to me. Poor me, poor me. But it's like, okay. You can change that. You can change everything. Yeah. So, so there's, there's, no, there's a lot there that you touched on. One that I can totally relate with, which I have to touch on briefly. is like the, the ex-girlfriend thing. Yeah. Um, so because I had kind of an aha moment in the current relationship that I'm in now, which um, this, this woman's great. It's, this is, this is going to be my wife. You know what I mean? She's, she's the one for sure. Um, she, like some things that she would get upset with me about, I would get very aggressive, back, like trigger words, I guess, if you will. You don't listen. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not, um, you're not sensitive. You're, you're selfish. These words like sensitive, selfish, listen. I'm like, you, no, you, and I would immediately like attack back. Mm. And what I understood, Alan, is exactly what you're saying. Why were these trigger words? And I think it takes a, a grown man and a lot of self-awareness. And that's why we need mentors in therapy to call us out. But it, it does take a lot of self-awareness to say, to sit back and say, why am I so triggered by these words? Why does that mm. upset me that she says I don't listen? Why do I feel like I, I need to listen perfectly? Why does that upset me when she says that I'm selfish and stuff? And I had to sit back and first of all, admit, yeah, I, I don't listen the greatest. I, I am kind of selfish with certain things. Um, but the other reason was, this is a commonality that I've heard from all the exes. Some of them throw this, some of them throw that, but all of them have said like these specific things. So hmm. I don't know, man, maybe it's true. Like if they're all <laughs> saying it's the common denominator, like you think it's the coincidence that all of the women you've been with are like, you don't listen well, you're selfish. I'm like, I, I think not, man. So you got to take a, a hard look in the mirror. And then um, again, the acceptance piece, surrender. And the first thing is admitting like, yeah, I, I don't listen very well. So I've made it a priority in this relationship and just in, in business in general to really be a better listener, to act um, more like not, you know, not act as selfish in, in ways. And there are certain things, you know, with your goals, with your fitness and things that you have to be selfish with and people won't understand that. Can't you skip a day or, you know, is it a big deal if you don't, you know, you miss one 
Monday for work, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, actually it is for me. Right. You know? Cause I, I'm working towards something, something huge. So I can definitely relate with the, the X's and the things like that. The other thing that I wanted to touch on. So note there is, yeah, if your X's or people you're hanging around with all have a trend and what they're saying in common about you, if it's good, great. Now, you know, your some of your strengths. If it's bad, take a hard look in the mirror and fix that. And then right. the other thing that you were talking about is um, it, taking like accountability and, and ownership. So I'm going to, I'm going to share a little story here. Okay. Uh, I'm, I, I went to college and I have a bachelor's degree. I majored in um, business with an emphasis in marketing and uh, sales or emphasis in sales and marketing, and then mm -hmm. minored in communication. So I've always been told I'm a strong communicator. I've been like captains on a lot of my sports teams. I, I, I communicate well, um, so I thought. But um, I'm in sales. I run a sales team in or organization. So I've always been told that I was a good communicator. I did need some work on my communication, uh, more so on the listening end. I, I had to understand, like everyone said I was a good communicator because I could just blab away. <laughs> I had to understand like communication is listening as well. And so once I started to be able to become a very good active listener, then I could confidently say like, okay, I'm, I'm a, I would consider myself a very strong communicator. My girlfriend, she's definitely a little bit more introverted, a little bit more reserved. Um, and she's struggled with communication. She's very good at like, let me process my thoughts and then let me um, write it down or send you like a long text the next day. And I always thought that was stupid. And so, you know, in, in arguments, I'd always just bombard her, which, mm. you know, shame on me. And so when I allowed her to, pro you know, she's like, I, I don't want to talk about it right now. Let's talk about it this weekend. I need to think about it. I'd be like, okay, for sure. And then when I would let her write these things down or come back to me a couple of days later, dude, it was so, so mature, so meticulous, so mm. just like you know, on point. Um, why I'm sharing this story is because initially I was like, you suck at communication. You're not good. You don't get it. I'm right. You're wrong. A lot of attacking. Well, so let's take some accountability. If you're the master communicator you say you are, and you're so good at communicating, how come you can't figure out an effective way to communicate with her? Mm. That's, on, that's on you, man. So I had to have mm. that conversation with myself too. She's not as good at communicating. She doesn't understand. She doesn't know how to express herself. She doesn't listen. No, 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 no. Maybe she's not listening because your delivery is bad. Maybe she's not listening because of your voice inflections. Maybe she's not listening because you're you're demoralizing or demeaning her. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Maybe you're not listening so you don't understand where she's coming from. So you guys can't connect. And so when you when I could start asking these things, and again, I just wanted to share this because it's another example of it's it's it'd be easy because I'm the better communicator to point the finger and be like, it, it's you. You're the problem. You need to right. change. And it's like, right. well. Why don't, if you're the master communicator and you're the professional, why don't you figure out a way to make it work? Amen to that. Yeah, dude, you know what? That's so beautiful because that is a point of communication. That's the, the purpose of communicating is to be able <laughs> yeah. to get your message through and for them to receive it in the context that you were, you were projecting it. And that projection is key because you don't know, uh, like, you don't know if tonality is going to change. Like you said, inflection, like, pitch of your voice if it's the wrong thing depending on who you're talking about they might not respond in the way that you do but if you're all stuck in your ego well i'm this i'm that i'm this you'll never give yourself the opportunity to actually have that moment to learn i saw this so much in the military when i was in 
where mm. they, they would, you know, if someone would do something wrong, then they'd put him at attention, yell at him, chastise him, throw him all down, and then put him back in ranks. And like, this guy is this guy's paralyzed for the rest of the day because of how you made him feel like, is that really the intention that you wanted to do? And for me, what I learned is like when I was in the military, when I had like a division, like things like just calling them by their first name instead of their rate, like maybe putting them to the side where in this instance, they're so used to being yelled at. that you just talk and pull them aside? Like, Hey man, you know, we could have done this differently. What do you think about this? What do you like? Oh my God, you talk to me like a human being. And it's, it's, it's finding those moments where it's like communication is a two way street. If you really want that person to go. respond and not react, you have to find a way to communicate what's best. Now, mind you, there are some people that only responded when you threw them under the bus in a, in a public manner. And I hate to like say it like that, but that is just the reality of it. Some people, all they have is ego. So that the only way you could finally make them realize that they're leading with ego is by shitting on the ego. And, I, I'm not saying that's always the best way, but sometimes that is the only way. And I'm yeah, not any different. Oh, time and place. Of course, time and place. Sure. And, 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 you know, I mean, I've had, to, I, I'm going to be honest. There's been times where I had to get yelled at in front of people for me to realize, wow, that's really oh, dumb. You know, that's not. really <laughs> fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'm very appreciative of those moments now because it's made me learn how to, not only channel my own ego, I'm like, man, am I really showing up with my ego right now? But also make me like, man, is this conversation going the way I really wanted to do? And and now and now <laughs> now today, man, when I get into like questionable and and um tough conversations that I know are gonna be uncomfortable, I always think about like, well, what is the outcome that I want? How does how is what I'm gonna say get to that outcome and how do I have to deliver that message so that I get the outcome that I want. You know, I could sit here and be like, you did this, you did that, Bob, Bob, this is how, but like, what, what the hell is that going to do? You know, if, yeah. And that's, that's super important with, it's super important in general, but especially with your close relationships mm -hmm. because your close friends and your significant other or whatever, your family, like the idea is, is you don't like, I have a thing with my girlfriend. We talk about like, we don't argue. People are like, you guys don't ever argue? You don't, like, get in debates and stuff like that? I was like, no, 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 We We do, but we call them constructive conversations. Mm -hmm. We don't argue because arguing is, like, right or wrong. And, in fact, when we used to argue, she learned how to to put it to bed very fast. And I, I hated it. And she'd simply just say this because she knew my ego, my dominance, whatever. She's like, you're right. Fine. She's like, you're right. And I'm like... I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to be right. I want you to understand what I'm, what I'm saying, you know? So um, what I understood is that I don't care who's right. I care that you understand where I'm coming from. I understand where you're coming from so we can connect, um, have, have a common ground and move forward. And that, that's the goal. And same thing in business, same thing with your friends. So you're totally right. It's like, what are, are we arguing just for the sake of I'm trying to deliver a point home? Um, or am I, am I trying to like understand where they're coming from so we can come to some sort of compromise and, and not allow this to happen again? Which leads me to like what I was going to say is um, I think it's important when, when listening and part of active listening is don't ask questions to be right. Mm -hmm. and ask ask mm. questions to understand. And so when I ask questions to be right, it's like, so let me ask you this, Alan. 
if you blah, 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 then, then you would do this, right? Okay. And um, let me ask you this. So you understand that this, this, and that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, you blah, 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 blah. And then you deliver <laughs> your point home. But if I can actively listen and, and ask questions to understand, dude, the conversation moves so much further. I say questions like, um, before, let's say you say something like that I totally disagree with. Um, the Detroit Lions suck. <laughs> and before I jump down down your uh, you know your throat or whatever, I ask something simple like this: What what makes you believe that? How long have you thought they sucked? Have you always thought they sucked? Do you watch them? I have to ask questions to to understand. And in, in getting in deeper, uh, more vulnerable topics, when you ask these questions around like racism, around politics, mm. you really start to understand perspective. Like why yeah. this person is on edge around colored people. Well, my dad, um, you know, was brutally beaten by, you know, a black gang member when, you know, I was a kid or whatever. Oh, okay. So not that I, not that I justify how you view black people, but I can understand a little bit now why you're timid, why you think they're bad or, or whatever. And it's the same thing with like politics. Like I hate this president, this, this, and that. And it's like, well, why? Well, because I'm a business owner and I feel like he's trying to steal all my money because he passed this law. Oh, okay. Um, maybe I still don't agree now, but I can understand your perspective and where you're coming from. Before I just try and deliver my point, you try and deliver your point. We keep going back and forth here and there. Um, right. The other thing I was going to say with the, the military and calling someone, you know, by their name or showing them some respect or, or yelling at them. Playing devil's advocate here and playing the other side as a listener, I think there's a super like a lot of strength and like a superpower in being able to listen very well also. So I will say this, ideally, if you're yelling at me, I would like you to treat me with respect. And it's like, Hey man, watch your tone. Why mm -hmm. are you yelling at me? I didn't deserve mm -hmm. this. Treat me with respect. But I learned this in sports and a coach grabbed my mask and he looked at me and he said, Cooey is my last name. He'd be like, Cooey, listen to what I'm saying, not how I'm saying it get your head in the game and, you know, push my, and like, dude, that always sat with me. I was like, for sure. Because so many times we listen to how people are saying something and we miss the whole message because I'm like, Alan, what are you doing that for? And you're like, why are you talking to me that way? Dude, stop. Don't talk to me like that. Don't try and belittle me. Or why are you? And it's like, we get so defensive instead of actually just asking, you know, answering the question. Why are you doing it that way? Yeah. Hey, chill, chill, man. I was just doing it. Cause, and so when we can put our egos aside and learn to do, do that, that makes the, the conversation move a lot a lot more fluid as well. Yeah, man, that, that reminds me too, is just, I'm going to parallel off of what you just said. I remember because the military were so caught up on not being yelled at, not being screamed at. Yeah. But yeah. one of the biggest, I remember um, I was operating and um, so I, I was in, I was in, um, I was in reactor division. So we used to work, um, we used to work on all the nuclear power plants that were on the aircraft oh, carriers. Okay. That's, that's what I did. Damn. Um, so that's, that's, a, there's, there's a lot of shit that goes along with that. You know, I mean, we, we really do control the, the, the life of the ship because we are the backbone of the goddamn ship. But I remember right. I did something, um, I was a little complacent in, in something, the things that we did. And as I'm getting ready to get yelled at, I remember my chief just pulled me to the side, sat me down and he goes, Hey man, um, why did you do this? You know? And like, blah, 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 blah. Well, the book is like, all right, you know that if you just, the, what you did. If you were to take that same type of complacency, it could have killed people. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. and I just like, and it was the best. It, he got his point across. And it, I just, I remember sitting there. I'm like, this is the first time in my military career. I didn't get yelled at. I didn't get stood at attention. 
but his message hit me so much harder than any ever time that I got yelled at because at that time I'm so accustomed to being yelled at that I just shut everything out where he made sure. it a point and said, Hey, this is what's going on. If you were to continue with that action, this is what would have happened. And we could have really risked lives, man. Is that what you want? I'm like, no. That, that, give that's, a a super important, that's a super important piece. I think with uh, leadership and it sounds like this guy was a, a stellar leader. Oh, phenomenal. Just yeah. From that little, little piece you shared because he, he did it in a way where he, he first, he asked, why did you do that? Which is super smart. Let me understand where you're coming from. Cause a lot of times what we realize in, in sales, I do the same. I'll do the same thing. Why did you, why'd you say that? Mm-hmm. Well, because I was trying to like get the customer to open up and I was hoping to get this response. Oh, your head's actually in the right spot. Because we, we do want to get them to open up and we do want that response. But try this. This will work better. So a lot of times we mm-hmm. beat them up before we even understand. Like you're actually on the right track. So he asked you, why did, why did you do that? Um, he did it in a private setting and in a, in a calm demeanor where he knew you could receive the message. But most importantly, he explained why you can't do that and how that fits into the bigger picture. Right. And not enough people like cast the vision and explain how that plays a part. Like even something as simple as, Hey, I need, I need you to be on time. Like, like instead of, instead of saying, get your ass here on time, you're late again. And I swear to God, I'll demote you. Um, you know what I mean? And publicly humiliate them. And as you said, there is a time and a place for that. But right. more importantly, if, if I know you can be on time, but you consistently keep coming late, I have to sit down and ask you, how can you keep showing up late? Well, man, like, I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, squeeze too much in in the morning. I, I don't take it serious. Wh- whatever the explanation is. And I respond with this. Well, you, you still want to be in leadership. You want to get into a leadership role eventually, right? Yeah. And you know that you're a role model here in this organization, right? Yeah. Okay, well, then I need you to understand with, with being on time, that actually plays a bigger role than you think. Because it's helping me with the culture. It's helping set the tone mm. in the room. Um, and people are watching you. You're a role model and example. So if you ever want to be a leader in this organization, a manager, an assistant manager, you can't show up late. Like, what happens if I come late? Everyone's like, what's up with you? So you see the importance of it. And then when you explain that, just like, uh, you know what I mean, your leader did, you're like, oh, people could have died. Or, oh, I'm a role model. People are watching me. Then it's like, okay, this, this actually is, is important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's another thing, too, is, is I think that a lot of us are so hell-bent on being right or wrong, that there's actually mm-hmm. multiple rights that can happen. And sometimes someone is only doing what they know is right until they're shown another way, but you don't give them the opportunity to learn if all you do is tell them what they're doing is wrong. So it's really important to understand like what you're saying is like, hey, explain what it is that, that you did. Yeah, you, just like you said, yeah, you're actually not far off. You just, you kind of handled your right in a different way where this way could have been better. But the intention, the the motivation is, and they're all there. It's the correct thing. So it's about building upon what is actually right instead of just chastising the entire thing down, you know. And it's just like, you know, what's what's the point for that? Um, yeah, that's. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain or correlate that with an area you can totally understand. That's fitness. That's, oh my dude, god! I yep. To so many people that I've done, I've done personal training. I sold, uh, yeah, I did gym sales for a little while and stuff like that. I've done, co- you know, competitions I've competed as you know. And so I've, I've been around the fitness, the fitness uh, space for, for a long time. And I, not that I'm an expert because I, mm. I think it's an area just like life where you're constantly growing and challenging yourself and figuring new things out, which is what I love about health and fitness. 
what I find funny is, is you talk to this person or that guru or this person with the ego or this person who's a runner, this person who does bodybuilding, this person who's, um, does like, uh, what's it called? CrossFit. And they're like, no, no, don't do that. That's not going to work. No, no, you got to do this. No, don't eat that food. You need to eat this food. And it's like, as you said earlier, for one, everybody's bodies are so different, but two, do you know how many right ways there are to get into shape? Like you think it has to be done like this, dude. you know what I mean? And so I find it funny when someone's yeah. like, you can't do that. And I'm like, I, I, really? I can't? Like, there's more than one way to do a curl. There's more than one way to do to do a diet, you know? And so you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's that's interesting because I had, um, I was at the poker table recently and someone asked me, um, you know, I'm at 19% body fat. How do I get to 15% body fat? What do I eat? What do I do this? What do I do that? I'm like, I, I, I don't think you're asking the right questions. He's, he's like, what do you mean? What do you, what, what you is, what is, whatever. I'm like. You know, I know this is going to sound like crazy, but it's actually a mindset. It's a mindset of understanding, like, what do you got to do to develop that? Because, like, maybe your approach to 18% might be something that's going to be different to your 17%. That might be down to this. But if all you do is look at the numbers, you won't actually be present enough to understand what you're actually doing to get there. But I feel like too many people focus on the objective result, not realizing that there's a subjective mindset that's going towards that goal. But if you figure out what it is, about that thing that you think that you need to get to use that to drive yourself. Like, you know, like I was like, I told the guy, I'm like, all right, so is it about the 15% body fat or is it about the version of yourself that things can be showing up at that 15%? And he's like, huh? I'm like, exactly. So now yeah. envision yourself. What are you doing at 15% body fat? That's getting you there. And then he's like, Oh, I'm working out consistently. I'm eating this. I'm eating that, whatever. I'm like, all right, are you doing that now? He's like, no. I'm like, there you go. You know what? what you, so what you're doing is it's, it's not that you want to get to 15% is you think that you have to, you know, you're feeling anxious because you're not doing the habits that you think that you have to be doing in order for you, for you to be a better version of yourself. And so that's mm. what it is. And it's, and it's crazy on mm. just like what you're saying is you can get to so many different results in so many different ways, but it's the mindset of, Hey, what is this version of myself? How do I get there? And how, you know, and it changes, it changes all the time. You know, for me, we're, since, we're, since we're talking about competing, we're talking about this. I remember before I started, before I got on stage, before I started, um, actually leaning down and competing like a bodybuilder, I told myself I wanted to get to 150 pounds. I want to get myself to 150 pounds. And once I started hiring a coach, started working on my diet, I quickly started going past 150, 150 pounds, but I still wasn't where I thought I wanted to be, you know? And then all of a sudden when I got to, you know, single digit percent body fat, got up on stage, I realized, oh my God, it was never about the weight. It was about this result, but I was so hell bent on this objective thing that I wouldn't let it go. And I see this now where, yeah, people, I just want to get to this. I want to get to that. And, and you could tell because of the people that just want to get this ridiculous objective goal, I don't want to say they're not going to get there, but they lose themselves in the mindset because they don't just like, Hey, you just want more accountability, a little bit more um, confidence with what you're doing. And it's a lack thereof that's actually thinking that you need to get here into doing that. So figure out what that is for you. Yeah. yeah. It, in that part, figure out what that is for you. And you're, you're totally right. Like I want, 
I want this image. I want this body percent fat. I want this. I want that. Like the number one question I usually ask people when they ask me that, how do I get beneath 10% body fat? How do I get bigger, you know, shoulders? How do I, how did you, you know, grow your legs? What kind of food should I be eating? Like, I'm like, I'm going to tell them something, you know, some secret that's like a cheat code, you know, yeah. actually dude, if you get the grass fed beef from Costco and eat that once a day, you'll put, you know, it's like, if you do these, you know, shoulder raises, they'll get two yeah. times as if big you, in a week. If you just uh, snort re- your creatine instead of actually just putting it in your shake bottle, yeah. yeah. you'll get better. Oh, bro, you're mixing it with water? What, bro? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, the number one question I usually ask is, I want this, I want that, how do I do that? I'm like, why? And if it's if it's something like, I want to look bigger to be more attractive so I can get like the right woman. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it, it won't, it won't work. It won't work. No matter how big or good you look, it, it won't work because you're still going to attract the women that you think you should attract that are, and that are attracted to this. They might, they might look at you for a minute and see, you know, your aesthetics or whatever, but ultimately the relationships and stuff like that are going to be the same woman that you attracted before because you haven't had the, the mental shift. And so you have to ask yourself and really think deeply why you want the bigger shoulders, the 10% body fat. And, and usually it's, it's some sort of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Usually I want to, I want to feel more confident. I want to, I want to hit this goal so I can feel this sense of fulfillment, um, happiness, accomplishment. I want to do it because I've never done it before. And I know it'll be a challenge or whatever. Okay. Well, if that's what you want and that's what you truly want, then you got to go through the process because the process, not the result, is what's going to teach you all of that. Right. The process, if I, if, if someone said, hey, I want 10% body fat and I want to be in shape or whatever, and I just gave it to him, I was like, all right, here you go, Alan. Yeah. Like you might like it for like a day or two or whatever, but it would not be the same uh, accomplishment, fulfillment, happiness, self-worth that you would get if you earned it yourself. Yeah. It, it just, it wouldn't. No. Yeah. Hey, hey man, this, and this is exactly why, and I know we kind of talked about this briefly before, but this is why I always push people to compete at least once. Just do it once. Like if you really want this body goal, you really want this. And now mind you, this it's not for everyone, right? But for people, I think mm-hmm. that like have an insecurity with their body that always wanted some kind of an objective result. I'm like, all right, go after that objective result. Because I mean, since you've competed, you know the grind you got to go through towards like the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months before competition. And that's where you really learn why the fuck do you want this extreme goal that let's be realistic, does not pay monetarily very well. It does not do anything. It's, no, it's just, for, no. it's just for you. But I think that's so beautiful because when you start, you know, I think a lot of people get into the sport thinking that they're going to get validation externally but once you get to that point where mm. the external validation is gone and the only thing that's going to will you to stage is your inter- in your internal motor, that's when you're going to really realize what that, that entire journey meant for you. You're going to realize very quickly what the fuck and how, and how much it really means. Like for me, when I stepped up on stage for the very first time, it's still the worst result I've ever gotten. But it was the biggest win I've ever had in my life because I told myself I needed to get to some kind of objective result if I wanted to be some kind of person, but I realized it was actually just me the whole time thinking or masking it into my body, masking it into something else. Like, no, it was actually my own 
internal confidence, my own internal fortitude that was that I just didn't build enough of. But it wasn't until you know, I started prioritizing what I ate until I, you know, I have this goal of being on stage so I can't go out and drink anymore or I'm in a social setting and someone's like, oh, Alan, you could, you could take this one meal off. You could just have this one drink. Like, mm-hmm. no, I have a goal that I set out for myself. And I think it's those instances where I'm like, I am prioritizing myself. I don't care what you think. I don't care what society tells me how I should be doing things. This is how, this is what I need to do. And I need to stick to it. I don't care how I feel. And it's by constantly showing up for myself, constantly showing up for myself. And by the time I got up on stage and I looked at my entire journey, I'm like, holy shit, this was never about the abs. This was never about getting up on stage or looking pretty. It was about me for the first time in my life, making myself and making my goals a priority over anything else. And, and I tell you, man, like that journey has carried out in so many areas in my life that I could never pay back. And I, I attribute that all to that very first competition. Now, do I look great? Absolutely. Like, do I, was I in the best shape of my goddamn life? Absolutely. That's a reward of that. Yeah, buddy. It really is. That's a byproduct. It is a byproduct. And, and, and there is nothing wrong with appreciating my vanity and appreciating that byproduct. But that's, that's, you know, that's why it's, I find it hilarious. You see those memes on Instagram or those reels where they're like, do you get the non gym going guy asking the guy for results? Like, so how do you, how did you get to, how do you get to this? And it's like, Oh, it's my why. And you always, so there's so many vague approaches, but it, but that's just yeah. what it is because people, in my opinion, people that have that extreme result are, are fighting something else in their mind every single day to stay like that and to be like that. And it's, that's just kind of where it is in my opinion. You know, let me, let me ask you this. Okay. So what do you, th- let me see how to phrase it. What do you think um, was the biggest belief you had about competing that was shattered Ooh. once you actually did it? The biggest huh, that I had to starve myself, that I had to starve myself completely to okay. get to that, you know, um, that's the physical one. I, I guess in, in, I, I guess internally, I, I just, thinking I was good enough, you know? And, okay. but here's the thing is that thinking that I was good enough in bodybuilding is just a trigger and a, and a reflection of how I didn't think I was good enough in a lot of other areas in my life. And it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It would, so bodybuilding was a trigger. Dating was another trigger or other and finances and things like that. It, it's crazy on how that journey of going against the belief of I'm not good enough, constantly fighting that every single day, realizing that that was just self-imposed and bodybuilding was a trigger. And I realized like that trigger happens in other areas of my life. So honestly, the biggest self-belief was not thinking I was good enough, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, did you, would you, would you say that it's more physical than mental, more mental than physical or like half and half, or where would you say that kind of I think it's a hundred, a hundred in, in both areas. You know, I, I, I think it's okay. mental. You, you have to will yourself to, I mean, look, no one's going to tan you. I mean, well, someone's going to tan you, but you're going to buy your own shorts <laughs> or you're going to buy your own trunks. You're going to get up on stage. So you, that, that's a mental, if you've never got up on stage before, that is fucking frightening as shit. You know what I mean? That it really is. It's a, it is the first time. Yeah. You, it's like, 
I don't know how to explain it, but you're totally right. It's like you have all the confidence in the world. You look the best you've looked, and you're pumped up. And then as soon as they call that name, like number 56, J.D. Cooey, I'm like – I'm like walking oh. out there, like, <laughs> like uh, oh no, yeah, like so so vulnerable, so exposed, you know, very much so. Um, for all the imperfections and 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 strengths and stuff like that, I, I think like the biggest thing that I was that um I was taught by competing, and the biggest belief I had that was just shattered was just like how my belief was prior to doing a competition ever was how physical it was. Mm. It's so physical. It's going to be so physically demanding. It's going to be so tough. It's going to be a physical war. Um, so much training. And honestly, like, I mean, you see my, you know, me in the gym, my routine and stuff like that. The the physical piece was like a, a small shift for me. And I didn't realize like what a mental game this is. I was yeah. like, this is like mental warfare. As you said, um, understanding how this cookie right here, not eating it will like pay its results in three weeks by skipping not having a drink how that will affect like all of it's just like um by you know we're missing one day in the gym it's not that big of a deal i still look pretty no no no. like really holding yourself to a a a disciplined structure i think like there's a lot of happiness throughout that journey but a lot of discipline and a lot of pain and through that comes a lot of growth in your character a lot of growth in your character um just you versus you and you doing what you say you're going to do is the ultimate confidence. Yes. Like I do what I say I'm going to do because how do we lose confidence? A lot of times it's like you break these promises. I'm going to get in shape. Oh, next week, next week though, I'm going to do this diet next week, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start applying for a new job or whatever it is. And then you don't do it. And then they lose confidence more and more and more and more. And so to me, I'm very big on, if I'm not going to do it, like I only have, you know, time is the most scarce resource I have and the most, you know, um, valuable thing I have. So I just, I'll evaluate before I even commit to it. Like, do I really want to do this? Can I, and I'll just say no. But if I say yes, like if I say I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to finish this book, I'm going to finish this book. If I say I'm going to get in the gym and I'm going to grow my back, I'm going to grow my back. Right. If I say I'm going to start listening better to Haley and uh, that, that's my girlfriend, if, I'm going to start listening better. I'm going to, I'm going to work on actively listening. Best believe, like I'm reading some books on listening. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm actively doing some exercises to try and work on that. I'm, I'm getting better at asking questions. Like I'm going to fix it right. because I told myself I, I would. And I know that that's detrimental if you don't, and you can hop, you know, huge boundaries and obstacles. The more you can um, commit to what you say you're going to do, because you start to commit to more and more and more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that mindset. Mindset is everything. Mindset, 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 mindset. It's crazy the stories that we tell ourselves once we start going after something that we really want, you know? And it's for me, man, like yeah. like I said, with this bodybuilding thing, man, it's always it, it teaches me every single day just about what is it that I really want? Why am I doing what I do? Like now for me, um, you know why I stay in shape and and why I um, I'm all about having some kind of a physique for me, I, you know, I'm all about speaking about men's emotional health. I love speaking about how to be a better version of yourself. And the reality is a lot of people only listen to that from a physique or from a, from a, a look per se, you know, I can't be sure. like skinny and scrawny or I can't be fat and obese and talk about health, you know, like that doesn't, that doesn't, go with what I'm looking like, you know? And, and I realized, yeah. look, you don't yeah. have to have 
the muscles in the world. You don't have to be cut or anything like that to speak about health. But if I really want my message to be, you know, not fall on deaf ears, if I want to actually be taken seriously, I know that the people that receive that message that aren't aware of that look up to a physique first, and then they learn it the other way around. So it's like, you know, what I'm doing is a higher purpose. And therefore, like I have a responsibility to others and I have a responsibility to my own self to keep and uphold this kind of a thing. But, mm. you know, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that unless I wouldn't, you know, since unless I went into bodybuilding and understood all these little different stories that I told myself yeah. and going through it. So, and that's, yeah. that, I mean, that's, that's anything in life to be fair. It's like, uh, you know, I, I was um, told by a mentor in the past, never take swimming lessons from a drowning person. Oh, and so you're totally, you're totally right. If, if, uh, I think as, as mentors, we typically want to look for somebody who can like coach you in all aspects of life. And it's like, he's got a perfect life. And that's, that's super rare. Yeah. Like, you know, the guy that I talk like fitness and, and workouts and strength, you know, about isn't the guy I talk to about, you know, my relationship with Haley. Right, right. Because it's like, I, I don't, I don't really admire your relationship, bro. Like you don't do that piece well, but you do, you know, fitness really well. Or you do fitness and you do business really well. We can work out, we can do business, but you don't do relationship well. Or your marriage and your family is totally aligned. And I love that about you, but you got really low ambition and goals. So it's like. So you got to find a person that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, ask someone how to make a million dollars when they make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. And so that's the same thing with like the fitness. It's like, you're not going to ask, ideally, you're not going to ask someone how to get the 10% body fat when they have 25% body fat, Yeah, yeah. you know, 30% body fat. You're not going to ask someone what it takes to complete a marathon when they're a power lifter and they've never ran half a, a, a mile. So you have to obviously... I mean, call it judging, but, but yeah, for sure. So you're totally right. You want to get the, the body aligned first. But again, what people don't understand is, is the body is the piece that attracts people, but the body's the byproduct. And so when you understand that, you start to ask different questions. Like I think someone that's new into fitness, they're like, hey, Alan, how'd you get like this, this, and that? And then the more they kind of hang around you, they're like, oh, this is actually like a lot more like mental where I'm going wrong. I'm not thinking right. I'm not having enough time under tension or I'm not having enough intentional work when I'm in the gym. I'm not, you know, worried about the diet once I leave here to nutrition, all of the work that I just did, whatever. Once you're at a level more like your, um, yourself in, in, in my level, when you've done some competitions, you've had this fitness journey, you start to ask different questions. Yeah. I already know you put the work in, but I know that's a byproduct. So I'm like, what, what kind of content do you read? <laughs> what kind of workouts do you do? Right. What, what inspired you to make the change? Um, have you competed before? Uh, do you know what yeah you know what's do you believe you do supersets or do you do more like heavy lifting how come right what diet are you currently on like these things of the, of the mental game more so that uh kind of inspire me because we all know it's it's hard work right you know right everyone that has a good good physique and i think that's why it demands a level of like respect and, and attention you walk into to a room and you you see a fit dude it's like immediately if i'm going to judge which subconsciously we do i'm like when this guy's like you you need to do this you need to do this you need, whether it's like business advice or physical fitness advice i'm kind of like okay if the guy comes in and he's you know 350 pounds and you know his bottom buttons popped and you know his ties crooked and stuff like that and i'm like yeah dude um i'm, I'm not sure i believe you right i'm, I'm having i'm fighting with myself in my head right now because it's like you're, you're saying some decent stuff but it's like I, I don't know if you actually do this or believe in that. Right, right. 
Yeah, dude, we used to have that in um in the Navy. We the, all the chiefs, the E sevens and above, would lead uh, PT physical training, and we had some fucking fat motherfucking chiefs that would sit there and try to tell you about leadership and how to be in shape, and then they would lead arm circles. All right, they would do those stupid arm circles as a workout for like yeah. fucking 20, 30 yeah. minutes at a time because that's all they knew how to do because all they did was fucking eat. So, of course, they could stick their hands out the whole time, yeah. you know, and they're like this. Like, right, bro. bro. And then on top of that, like we had these bright yellow shirts and like these bright blue shorts. So we look like minions out there, too. So it was just like, how am I supposed to take this seriously? And ironically enough, the Navy's when I left the Navy, it was the most out of shape branch out of all the all the branches in the military oh no kidding but, but it's but when you have you know when you have your example as a fat ass and your pt gear looks like it's not meant to be taken seriously yeah. your mindset just ends up following that yeah. and and it's just like that um you talked about something that i really really wanted to harp on with you um is you just said it yourself like you know why would you why would you ask about how to get to single percent body fat? Someone's at 25% body fat. And it really brings into light the effect of the people that you keep around you and how they affect you and it's in its entirety. Um, and you did, and I remember you have one thing on your Instagram where you talk about, you know, you are the result of the five people you surround yourself around. Like mm -hmm. for you, where did you, where did you learn that? And, and why do you think that's so important for people to understand? It was one of the hardest, it was one of the hardest, uh, lessons into adulthood for me mm. in for real. I, I mean, I mean, and I think it's because I'm very, like, I'm very loyal. Like as, as much as I talk about, like when I was younger, like I, I, I'd get in fist fights, I was aggressive and stuff like that. I was also known to be like, like I'm talking to the kid that, um, is deaf. You know what I mean? One of my second fights ever was actually a fight that wasn't mine at all because someone was getting bullied and I witnessed it and I stepped in and tried to stop it and then it got aggressive towards me. And, and so I've always been a person to kind of just try to be kind and try and just like I've always found unique, like attractive. Like I've always been someone who's just like, it's very tough for me to conform. Very tough. Like I, I like different. I like unique. And so I tried to like protect that. If a lot of people get made fun of or picked on because they're, they're different, right? And so I've always been like, kind of like a chameleon, especially being biracial. Like, you know, you got the white friends, the black friends, the ghetto friends, the super smart friends, the, the rich friends, the poor friends, all of that and everything in between. Um, but what got really difficult for me is realizing how important it is with like the people that you surround yourself with and, and the effect that that does have. So moving to California from Michigan was extremely tough because some would come out and say it, you know what I mean? Like you've changed, you're different. And some wouldn't necessarily say it, but they, they're they're They would express it in roundabout ways. And then, then comes this like guilt a little bit um, where it's like you, you've left them behind. And so one of my super, super close friends, uh, Chris Gormley, shout out to him. Um, he's a, he's a life coach, a discipline coach, and he's doing some, some big things. We've always told each other and we've, we remained very, very close friends that we've understood that it's, it's your duty to continue to work and grow on yourself to elevate. So mm. neither one of us gets left behind. So if one of us were to leave the other, if you will, or, or distance ourselves, 
it's only because one of, one of us stopped growing. And so we've kind of understood that. Like why we've stayed close friends is because we continue to, to put growth at the front and read books and learn and challenge each other and spit ideas and new business ventures. And so, yeah, do we have stuff to talk about? Do we continue to, to elevate and, and, and work out together and, and shoot the shit and talk business and, and life? And Well, yeah. But it's difficult to do that with someone that's still living the same life they were 10 years ago. And so I think why it's really tough for people, so, some people, is it seems very, like, selfish. Well, it's like, yeah, but, like, what about them and this, this, and that? And here's where I'm going to, you know, ruffle some feathers. Like, it is selfish. It is selfish. And that's okay. Because you have to be selfish with your goals and your priorities and yourself. You have to be selfish. Yeah. Like above everything, because I can't take care of anybody else unless I can take care of myself. I can't love anybody else unless I can love myself. I can't get anyone else in shape unless I can get myself in shape. And so it's like, to me, my, my goals, my priorities, um, of course I have leniency and, and, and things like that, but there are certain things where I am very strict with. Haley knows that, my family knows that. I'll, mi- I'll miss a family gathering. I'll miss a birthday. I'll, I'll miss... Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll push you aside because I have to take care of this first and stuff like that. And so I think when you're around the right people, they understand that. Yeah. They understand that. In fact, they're rooting for you and they're forgiving and stuff like that. If they're not, cause there's only, they're, they're only doing one thing. There's very, there's, there's not like neutral people. If you really break it down, there's not neutral people. They're helping you prevail or they're pulling you the other way. Mm. And so if they're pulling you the other way, like super, super strong, like you got to cut them out. If they pull you the other way a little bit, but they mean a lot to you. Okay. That doesn't mean I have to cut them out of my life, but small dosages. Yes. We hang out once a quarter, a couple times a year and that's fine. And, and I got all the love for you. You know, like Tupac says, it's like, just because like, just because I, um, what's he say? Just because, uh, oh, does, just because I don't fuck with you doesn't mean that I don't want to see you eat. Just not at my table. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's like, yeah, I'm still like, hey, dude, good. Oh, you had a kid? How's your kid, bro? Like, proud of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, miss you. We should get together soon. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, You know what I mean? So you have to to protect that circle. And so that's a difficult piece is because you'll feel like you're leaving people behind. And the reality is it's like, again, accountability. I'm not leaving you behind, bro. You, You didn't change. You didn't grow. I'm trying to get here. Now, that also doesn't mean we have to have bad blood. Right. The other difficult thing is the first time you do this, you think it's the only time. Okay, cool. I got my tight circle. I've, I've trimmed the fat. But then you elevate and grow and, and change throughout life. And it's like, that'll happen again and again and again. Yeah. And I think there's a bad rep for that where it's like, you don't come around anymore. It's like, well, that relationship served me for what it did. I don't expect everybody that I come encounter with, like now that we're friends and stuff like that, like, Alan, you better keep me in your life for the rest of your life. Right. Hopefully we do. And that'll be cool. But it's like, I mean... You know what I mean? Right. We have different ways we're going to grow and learn. And so I always find that funny when people tell me when I go back home, they're like, you've changed. And they say with that demeanor, right? They're like, you've changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Why haven't you, bro? Right. Why have you not changed? Right. Like, you're, right. you're saying like it's a bad thing. Like you're supposed to. I worked hard for this change. Right. And so what I would tell people is don't get caught up on people that are trying to keep you where you're at. It's because it's they're uncomfortable with the new change and they're, they're fearful they're going to lose their relationship. Also, don't feel like you owe them something like you have to stay loyal to that person because, but I've known them since I've been like five. Okay. Like, but that relationship doesn't serve me anymore. I've changed. I've grown. And again, that doesn't mean that we don't have an ongoing friendship or relationship forever, but that doesn't mean I have to have beers with you every weekend right? or call you every other day or have the same 
philosophies on money and politics and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it, we're cool. Right. It is what it is. Right. But the people that you keep close to you in that circle, those have to be people that think very alike. In fact, ideally, you want them to think a little bit higher and bigger than you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because those are the people that'll get you into, uh, you know, a, a, a bigger room and elevate you and stuff like that. It's super important. Right. And the, the, when it gets really tricky is with family. Oh, I know my people like, God. But it's, my yes. sis- it's my sister. It's my brother. It, you ha- what you do is you, you have a very clear cut conversation and set boundaries. And if they can't respect them, then again, right. I'll see you at Thanksgiving. I'll see you at Christmas. But, and, you know, I, you, you can't because ultimately ask yourself this. Are you willing to give up your growth and your goals? Because that's ultimately what it's going to come to. You start saying this, I want to make a million a year. Well, I mean, half a million would be cool. Well, a quarter would be cool. I mean, six, you know, 100,000 isn't bad. I still live. You start justifying. 10% right. body fat would be cool. But my brother loves to drink and party. So, well, I mean, I'm at 15%. That's good enough. You start and you, you got to. Right. Right. And, and. That's the thing is too, it's like the best thing you can do for anybody around you is literally show up for yourself because you, you know, I can tell you, I can tell you, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. But if I'm not doing that myself, then I just look like a fraud in its entirety. And so like the best thing, you know, like when you choose self-growth, when you choose to be a better version of yourself, you start aligning with people that are on the same path. And here's another thing too, is What's not to say that when you put your boundary down from someone that you love, that they don't get inspired to now all of a sudden start setting boundaries for themselves, you know, and, and because everybody is on their own path, everybody's in their own journey and you are not responsible for anybody else around you other than yourself. I mean, you are in a sense, but like when it comes down to like choosing what's best for you, like it's really all up to you and how you do that. Um, and yeah, man, it it just, it's, it's it's so difficult to get somebody to change the, like the way you just said. And that's the other problem, right? Is like you start shedding layers and, and, and growing, growing out of some relationships, if you will. Right. right. And the kind hearted people will be like, well, check this book out. You should, you should follow this podcast. You know, why don't you look for a new job? If you're so unhappy, they try to like force the growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, some people just don't want it. But if they are going to change, if you are going to have impact, you hit the nail on the head, Alan. And it's like the, 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 the best way to potentially do that is going to be through inspiring. Right. Like, don't you, you need to you just live it. Right. You know what I mean? I, when, I, when I just shut my mouth and just started living my life, you know how many like just like people, family members, friends started to like just come out of the woodworks or whatever, man. It's like, dude, I'm super proud of you. Or I've been thinking about solar or I've been wanting to do a, you know, a half marathon. I, I, you know, I show, send me some of your COVID workouts. I see you're doing park workouts. What are some things I could do for this? And you just start inspiring people. And that's what starts to spark change because change starts here. Right. Mm. And you totally understand it's mental. So when you see someone that you knew that used to be like this and it's like, man, they've actually changed. They're not as aggressive as they used to be. I love that about him. He seems so much more peaceful. I love how he can listen better now. I love like, um, that, you know, watching his fitness journey and he's more well-rounded and he runs now or whatever. And, and you inspire people like that. And then they start to, to ponder and start to think differently and, and, or they don't, which is, is fine too, right. but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, Hey man, this is, this is what we got. Is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to add, um, any contact info, anything that people could get a hold of you if they really needed to? Yeah, man. So the, um, Instagram, my handle is 19, biggie b-i-g-g-i-e 89 yep. um that's where i put most of my reels and content on 
that's the platform I use the most. Yeah, I do have other ones, but yeah, just as far as the last thing I would, I would add, man, just as far as fitness is I, I think when people can understand the, the correlation with the, the, the mental aspect and the physical aspect, um, it, it'll change everything. And we talked about it earlier as, as men trying to hide and suppress our emotions. Um, my best advice would just be just deal with the pain. Like one thing that I didn't talk about as far as just like uh, fitness and stuff like that, call me a little crazy, a little weird, not to the extreme of like, you know, David Goggins and stuff like that. But like, I, I like the pain. Mm -hmm. Like I like, like I like the challenge. I like putting myself through that and going to war, breaking my mind and my body down. And so I think a lot of people try to avoid that. Like what's, what's the number one, uh, body part that people typically don't like working out legs it's legs you're totally legs why because it sucks dude it hurts like you have a good leg day and like it's like the whole rest of the day hurts because you walk around on, on your legs so a lot of people do what they avoid leg day they avoid doing core they avoid the diet they avoid they avoid the difficult and painful things and that's where all of the growth is. amen to that so don't avoid don't avoid the pain whether that's in the gym or whether that's, as you said, from a, from a breakup, don't just go and get drunk and get high. Allow yourself to sit still in that pain because there's a lot of, just like love, there's a lot of growth in, in pain. And um, I would say don't sit there and, and dwell in it, but process it and work through it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And um, yeah, man, just end on that. I, I appreciate the, the convo and you, you allowing me on, man. Of course, buddy. Of course. Uh, stay on for just a little bit after after this. Uh, but for everybody who's on this, I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, guys, deuce. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh, H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO.